Welcome to another another edition of Conversations of the Heart. It is me. It is your boy Tito. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Season three is is in effect full time, and I am have the privilege, um, the esteemed honor of having uh, this great gentleman here. His name is Sari Ibrahim, and um, he is a finance coach, um, and he have, helps clients, you know, get to their destination, whether it, it's getting out of debt, um, saving money, uh, budgeting, helping with, with their business finances, anything pertaining to money and finance. He is your guy. Uh, so I just want to introduce you, Mr. Ibrahim. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing it. I really do appreciate it. Hey, Terrence, thank you so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Perfect. Um, so before we get started, just kind of just uh, let my audience know just who, who you are, a little bit about yourself, how you got started in this field, um, and what it is that, that you do. Yeah, thank you for that. So I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I grew up in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, and I'm a financial planner. So I help people, like you mentioned, manage money, get out of debt, save for whatever it is they want to do kind of we built the business to be like holistic where we can kind of solve any financial problems and we help clients in really anywhere in the country we do it all over zoom and over the phone and we also have our own podcast called thinking like a bank i'm the host of that show Uh, we've had a lot of great guests come on talking about saving on taxes growing wealth kind of outpacing the stock market all these kind of really cool like financial tactics that we do and and yeah and I, i do a lot of guest appearances like right now i talk about you know the concepts we talk about helping people get out of debt um, this journey really kind of started when I was younger, like, like a senior in high school. And I took a class called consumer economics and it was mm-hmm. very basic, right? It was how to write checks. You know, what is interest? What is a mortgage? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked it because it was, I think it was really important. I think that we should take more courses like that at a, at a young age about money, um, and, and financial literacy. Cause I think it's, it's definitely more important than like, t- in my opinion, than taking like art or like, you know, you know, other classes, um, to take these financial literacy courses. So I really wanted to make a career out of it. I wanted to help people solve financial problems with actual mm-hmm. objectives, like real tools and real objectives. And then, yeah, this is what I do. I, I, I'm thankful I found the dream job. And yeah, this is what brings me here today. Perfect. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Think like you said, think like a bank. And, yeah, yeah, um, uh-huh. Sorry, go ahead. Good. Think, thinking like a bank. Thinking like a bank. Right. Yeah. Um, so can you explain um, that, just that in itself, thinking like a bank? What does that mean to you? Um, and how do you explain that uh, uh, to your listeners? Yeah, we wanted to make it into a concept, right? Like how one could think like a bank or thinking mm-hmm. like a bank. Because if you think about, for example, like the the, the companies or individuals with the most money right. and who make the most money, it typically it's bankers or, or, or banks. If you're you know driving down the highway and you see the tallest towers, the tallest buildings, they're typically banks. They're owned by banks or financed by banks. Almost, you know, everything we do in life has to do with banking, um, mm-hmm. buying a house, whatever, you know, money, the, the movement of money is controlled by banks. So with that comes a lot of knowledge about money, right? So banks don't just have a lot of money or control a lot of money. They know a lot about money. They know about the economy, about world markets, about currencies, about inflation. They, they have a lot of uh, knowledge behind that. So we've kind of uncovered those strategies, those tactics that banks use. And then outline them in our show, like we, you know, for free for people to listen to. So that way people could start thinking like a bank. And then that that's kind of, and it goes into the other part of it too. The other part of the concept is that, you know, imagine you are a, a business owner, right? Like, let's just mm-hmm. say, for example, you love cooking. So you open a restaurant and then, you know, you're focused on food. You're focused on how good the food tastes on customer satisfaction. But what if you add in the thinking like a bank aspect now to your restaurant? Mm-hmm. You're not just a chef now um, and cooking really good food you are also now in the, in, the, in the money business, right? You're thinking, how do I grow my wealth outside of my business, not just in my business? How do I, ma- how do I churn my business, my restaurant right. into a money-making machine? So now you're, you're putting on your banker hat. And I uh-huh. think that every entrepreneur, regardless of the industry you're in, should have that hat on, right? They're thinking like a bank hat where they're, all right, it's time now to think about more about the movement of money in a, in a, in a more efficient way. I like that. And, and where can they listen to, to this podcast? Oh, it's, it's everywhere on all the podcast platforms. Um, you can find it at thinkinglikeabank.com and then, you know, all, all Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the podcast platforms. Perfect. And, and speaking of where they can find, where can they find you? Yeah. So they can, a couple of ways. So thinking, thinkinglikeabank.com is the best mm-hmm. place there. It links you to the podcast. It links you to my LinkedIn, uh, YouTube channel, uh, Calendly account. You can go right in, schedule the appointment. And um, yeah. And then, 
you know, brings me to my next point is that like, if you wanted to, for example, get a free financial consultation, I could do that for you. Um, we also just wrote a book called thinking like a bank. It's more of, it's more of an ebook mm-hmm. that's, um, uh, talks about the strategies we use it's strategies we use. It's about 30 pages long mm-hmm. and details come of some of the ideas. And it, it also gives you a picture of working with us because, mm-hmm. you know, one problem or one thing, I guess, with financial planning is that there's different, uh, I guess, like schools of thoughts or different ways of financial mm-hmm. planning. Yes. Uh, and some people, for example, when they think of financial planning, they think of going to the stock market, right? That's like their main, that's, that's where you go. Like, in other words, there is no other place to go except for the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what conventional wisdom taught us is like, you know, when you have extra money, you put in the stock market and then you right. quadruple it over time. And I'm not completely opposed to the stock market. I just think there are more effective ways. I think there are alternatives for sure for people to know about mm-hmm. that could potentially outpace the stock market and give you more certainty. Got it. Okay, perfect. Um, so let so let's continue this here. So mm-hmm. when it comes to money, yeah, right, money um, is very emotional. All right, it could be great, a great emotion, and it could be, you know, very like you know what I'm not where I'm supposed to be, right? And that could be a very scary thing for anyone. Right. And especially if you're at a place in life where you have children or you're trying to look after your mother, your parents, you know, and it's like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I don't have, you know, a big savings account. Right. I didn't come from money, you know. So if somebody were to come to you and say, hey, look, I just, I don't really know what to do. Like, I have a job, you know, um, I'm, it seems like I'm always living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Um, where, uh, where do I start? right? Like, how do I switch that mentality? Like, what, what can I do, right? Um, to get started to kind of begin to build wealth, because some people feel like with, when they're 30, or even 40, it's too late. Life has passed me by, you know, um, and I can't really start to build wealth because I've lost out on so many years, right? So how would I, so how would I get started? Yeah, I love that. And, and I, you know, I would kind of, um, rephrase somebody's question right they come to me they say what can i do right now financially and i would replace that with what do i want to do financially Mm -hmm. you know big difference right just a couple words are changed and you know Mm -hmm. this right from like life coaching you know it's all about the you know changing the word instead of saying you know i think i can i will you know what i mean or Mm -hmm. you know i might be able to i will do this thing you know so it's what what do i want to do financially so ask yourself like what is it that you want to do financially and that's really Mm -hmm. important because it's an affirmative, affirmative action, right? You're, you're taking um, a, a specific action and you're programming your mind and, and making it firm for the next step. So that way you are like, you're, you're literally programming your next steps. And then what happens is too, is that um, you, you make your objectives unique to yourself. So a lot of times people will say, all right, you know what? I'm 35 years old. I should own a house by now. Yeah. You know, and then I think that word should is really mm-hmm. problematic because it puts you in a category that you, you can't compare yourself to other, you can't compare yourself to other people. Yes. Really, when it comes to financial planning, there really is no should, there is no, your place should be, you should be somewhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own unique objectives and wants and needs in life. And it's your job, you know, to individually identify those. What is it? What's important to you? And it goes back to emotions. Like, what are you passionate about? What do you believe mm. in? What are your core values? You know, and, and the problem with should is that it, it can kind of limit us in certain ways because what if you're 25 years old and you want to be a billionaire? People would say, oh, that's, that's too early. You shouldn't do that. That, that's, that comes at age 50 or 60 years old when you want to be a billionaire. Right. But whoever said that, like you don't have to create rules for how you live your life and, and, mm-hmm. and the goals you want. There's, you know, there's a book by, I don't know if you read it, by Grant Cardone, The 10X Rule. Grant Cardone, yes. I, I know him very well. I haven't read the book though, but yes. Yeah, that book about. is awesome. He talks about that. He talks about whatever goal you have, multiply it by 10, you know, 10X your goals. Um, because when you whatever you think about, you attract. Mm-hmm. So if you're multiplying your goals, you're multiplying your outlook, you're going to attract those things. Um, you know, so it's, it really comes down to what do you want? What do you want to do financially? And put it aside, put aside like what you want money to do for you, like mm-hmm. kind of remove that from the equation. But what is it that you want to do? You know, um, what are your goals? Uh, and, then, and then you use money to reach those goals or to fund those goals. That's how mm-hmm. I think one way of financial planning would, would probably work. Okay. And you're right. Um, like when you switch those questions around and you switch certain things around, especially that, that should, I, I think a lot of pe- uh, people sell themselves short because they feel like they should be somewhere by a certain period of time. Right. Yeah. And then they're not, and then it becomes very depressing yes, and then yes. you get very hard on yourself. 
because you see your friends maybe in a certain place, right? And you see people on social media doing different things. And that's another, another thing. You see people spending money yeah. on social media and having fancy bags, cars, big houses and things like that. And it's like, man, I want that. But one, you don't know what they did to get that, yeah. right? You know, they could have, you know, sacrificed and worked hard and you didn't see the, their struggles yeah. of where they got, of how they got to where they are t- today. So, you know, it's just, there's a lot of things now, especially in this generation that we're being pushed. A lot of things are just pushed in our face, you know, and, and, and then it makes us say, Hey man, like, I wish I could have these things. Mm-hmm. And it seems like everybody's doing well. Everyone is doing well. Everyone is balling. Everybody has a big house, you know, the Mercedes outside. Right. And to be honest, you know, this, and I can guarantee you know, this very well. A lot of people that have their Mercedes Benz may not have a lot of money. Yeah, and I could even take it a step further and say that I know this for sure from a marketing perspective that these luxury brands, whether it's mm. cars, clothes, whatever, they're not targeting the richest people. They're targeting the middle-class people who just came across, you know, who have some money to spend on those nice things. Mm. So, you know, it, it definitely, it changes your perception. And, and social media, exactly, you're right. It makes it seem like there's no more poverty anymore. That, that You know, everybody's good. Yep. You know, the whole idea of money is, is completely different now. But one thing that I learned a long time ago is that one of the causes of anxiety in general, from like a mental health mm-hmm. perspective, yeah, um, anxiety comes from comparing yourself to other people mm-hmm. and social media has amplified that, right? It's made it to the point where it's like, you don't have a brand new BMW and live in a big house. Like what are you, you're doing everything wrong in life. And yeah. really like, you know, the, the biggest enemy you have is, is a part of yourself, right? There's a part of yourself that is bringing you down and whispering in your ear like you haven't done these things you know you haven't you know achieved Mm -hmm. everybody has this but people are better at controlling that part of them and then defeating that because when you defeat that part of you you could take Mm -hmm. on anything in the world you've defeated your biggest enemy right so uh, social media to to your point it 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 adds fuel to that it brings out more of that to the point where and you don't know too what if somebody just took out a whole bunch of credit cards and took out a whole bunch of debt and then just bought you know nice cars and nice clothes and, and rented an apartment a really nice apartment and it's it true. just looks like they're very wealthy, but in reality, every month is a struggle for them because of their behavioral spending. Right. So, and that, and it's a great transition to behavior, right? So when it comes to, you know, the behaviors of money, right. And behaving with money, what do you think is the number one principle as far as behavior? Like, like if somebody can just say, Hey, say, look, what's one behavior that I need to implement today to begin to get my money right? The control, I think the number one, the control of your time, right? So people who make a lot of money and who are able to retain a lot of money typically are very good at controlling their time. Hmm. And in that is it's choosing certain things. Like they choose, they make decisions. They're very good at decision-making. Hmm. And then they typically stick through those decisions without switching if, if needed. And then, cause you know, time is money when you're constantly taking a long time to make decisions. And then when you constantly change your decisions, you waste more time before implementing a strategy or idea. And then that impacts you financially. So that's something I kind of see a correlation between is mm-hmm. the management of money is also the management of time. Mm-hmm. And then there's another part too, is that in the book, the psychology of money, which I'm reading right now, I'm about halfway through it. The author talks about that the majority of the way you live financially has a lot to do with your, your, your behavior and how you react to certain things, your impulses. Um, you look at, for example, and, and you compare this, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that you took a hundred people in a random sample, and then all those 100 people won the lottery. They were all, they all, you know, got like, for example, just to make even numbers, $10 million. Mm-hmm. What percentage of those people will be bankrupt in five years from then? Mm-hmm. It's like eight, it's over 80%, over 80% oh, yeah. of people. If you gave $10 million to a hundred people, over 80% of those people or more than 80 of them will end up bankrupt in five years. They'll end up in more debt than when they started. And why? Because most people can't handle that kind of, they weren't expecting that kind of money. And then when they got it, they didn't really know what to do with it. They just bought a lot of things, more and Uh more material things. And there's really no limit to how many material things you could buy. They didn't have the proper infrastructure, the proper foundation. Most people don't. Have right. the proper foundation or structure of what to do with money, how to implement it, how to make it grow passively without having to work on it. 
Mm-hmm. And then the same is true, like, you know, uh, with like professional athletes, right? A lot of professional athletes and celebrities, they make a lot of money in their mm-hmm. young, early twenties, you know, millions of dollars. And then by the time they're in the thirties, they're all not, they're irrelevant at this point. They can't really play or sing or whatever. And then who are they? You forget their names. Right. <laughs> you know, because some, you know, people feel like, you know, money problems are only, you know, with people, you know, who grew up in poverty, you know, or who um, grew up in certain neighborhoods and no, like, you know, like just because you're a skilled, like you're a skilled athlete and you've made millions of dollars. Right. Yes. And you could be wealthy for a time. But then after that, if you don't have, I guess, the right mindset, of course, or somebody that is managing your money that you trust, right, with the right mindset, then you could end up in a place where now you're in poverty and you're in debt. And, you know, and and that's a and that's a real thing, too. You know, it's not just for for people who grew up in poverty, you know, or who, who didn't come from, you know, money. Like it's not just for, you know, middle class and, and things like that. It's it could happen to people who who have had money. They make it and then they lose it like yep. that. Right. So that that speaks to behavior, like what you yes. were saying. Right. Um, so debt is a very scary word. But most of us, you know, most of us in America are in debt. Absolutely. A lot of it is, you know, student loans, um, consumer credit cards. Um, there's, uh, you know, just regular loans, uh, you know, uh, business loans, it could be or um, personal loans. Right. Um, you know, then there's these debt consolidation programs, you know, there's a lot of just just, just different things that um, creates debt. Right. Um. So most people say it's best to stay out of debt, have zero debt, right? And then you'll be able to flourish, you know, um, and go forward. So what do you say to somebody who says like, hey, listen, I think it's just, it's better to have zero debt. Yeah, I think that there's just, there's a, there's a clear distinction, right? Between good debt and bad debt. So mm-hmm. like to give you examples, bad debt is exactly how it sounds, right? It's like, if you have a credit card, with 18% interest. That's very bad. Why? Because the interest payments are going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. The way it compounds, it's going to hurt you. It's not going to really help you. And there's, it's really, you can't deploy really, you know, interest at 18%. It's not like you could take that money and then put it somewhere that's going to make you even more money. Statistically speaking, in general, you know, uh, whereas good debt is the opposite. It could, it could be leveraged. Like for example, your mortgage, right? Your interest, you know, 3%, 3.5%. You could, in most situations, deploy that money somewhere else and then make more money. Like you could use that to make, for example, 8% or 9% on your money. And now you have a split between the amount of money you made and the amount of money you bought it at. This is where thinking like a bank comes in. Mm-hmm. Cause if I go to the bank, right. And I put a thousand dollars in the bank in my checking account, for example, I've just loaned the deposit that I made was a loan to the bank. Now the mm-hmm. bank is in debt to me a thousand dollars. But then when somebody comes in and wants a credit card, you know, they're using my money to loan out that money at a much higher interest rate. They're buying money from point A and then selling it at point B. And this is one of the principles of thinking like a bank is that you want to be able to do the same things. And this is where good debt comes in is that you're, you have the ability to think like a bank or think like a banker. Like, like, for example, instead of paying off your house completely, like people could do, you know, people have their own opinions and their own yeah. choices. That's really important with money. Like in my situation, I would not pay off my entire mortgage even if I had a billion dollars, I still wouldn't pay off my mortgage hmm. because I could, even if I did, I would do a cash out refinance, take that money out of the property and then deploy it in different places that can make more money. Hmm. That's just my opinion. Why, why do I think that way? Because I think that the money is, it's a, it's a good deal, right? To borrow at 3% or 4% interest and then use that money to deploy in different places. That's an example of good debt. It's good leverage. Bad debt would hold you back. Good debt would actually accelerate you. If we did everything just cash only, like let's just completely subtract that, that's problematic too, because then you're buying assets and things with all cash. You're tying up your money in those. So like if I buy a property today, a house, for example, for $500,000, that's the market value of it. And that's how much cash I have. If I take $500,000 in cash, buy the property clean, all right, no mortgage. Let's say tomorrow there's a market crash. And the market value now is affected by that market crash, which happened in 2008. And mm-hmm. the property is worth, you know, 400,000, 300,000. If I sell it, I've just lost money and I can't. And if I borrow against it, I'm borrowing against the market value, not how much I paid, but what mm-hmm. the market value is. So I rather park my money in different places and diversify that way. If there is a market crash, I have liquidity still, I still have liquidity. That's really, that's a key factor. 
So, you know, in my pastime, you know, I, I was a banker. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was probably about 10 years ago. Um, one of the best things I said was a home equity line of credit mm -hmm. was one of the most amazing things that you could have as a homeowner, right? Because of the, the things that you just highlighted, yep. right? And it's, and it's an ever-evolving line of credit that, yes. that, you, that you have, right? At a, like you said, like a 3% interest rate versus, you know, applying for a credit card and mm -hmm. you have like 18%, sometimes up to 20%, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, man, like, why would I, like, I would rather, you know, say, hey, I'm going to pay three thirty five hundred to go to, I don't know, uh, if you want to take your family on a vacation, you pay $3,500, yeah. you want to slap it on, you know, um, a credit card, that, that and that's at 18%, right? Yeah, yep. Or you have a home equity line of credit. Now that eighteen percent, now at night, night, and now you're talking three percent. You know, yeah, exactly. It's it's a big difference, right? You know, and not saying that you have to use your home equity line of credit to go on vacation. I'm just saying that's just for an example of just you know what you can do, right? Even if you want to do home improvements on you know on things around the house, right? Some people slap it on the credit card. Mm -hmm. It's eighteen percent. It's it, it's just a lot of it's just a lot of money <laughs> you know so it, it, it's it's and it's hard and sometimes it's like oh well, I don't want to take money out on my home right you know against my home right and it's just you know um but everybody it's, it's like you said I think everybody has their different opinions on um you know on how they want to manage you know their money and and those things but like you said though you're absolutely right that three percent is much different than 18 percent and it comes down to emotions, right? So like the idea of borrowing against the house you live in is scary. Even if it's 3% interest, right? It's scary. Ah. Just that, you know, what if you can't pay it back? Then you lose your house, you lose your shelter. But then to the contrary of that is that you have a piece of plastic. It means nothing to you. And then you could buy things with it. So that, that it opens up a whole other emotional uh, part to it. Or is that this is, this is one of the reasons why banks and corporations invented credit cards is because it's very spendable. It's very easy. You know what I mean? If I had a thousand dollars in cash in my pocket and I was going to buy something, I would probably think, you know, two or three times before giving somebody a thousand dollars, but a credit card, you can just, you know, I'll, people all day long will spend a thousand dollars on a credit card. Like it's nothing, you know? So it, it comes down to emotions, right. And, and really trying to get through those emotions and then break down the math, break down the logic. Like, you know, the other day I was ordering a pizza, right. And <laughs> it was like, there was like three coupons. One was like 20% off. The other one was like, buy one pizza, get one free. And the other, the third one was like, buy, you know, two pizzas and get whatever. Yeah. Just three coupons. And, you know, the financial advisors came in, you know, I just, you know, took out a piece of paper and was like, all right, if we buy, you know, $50 worth of pizza, that's 20% off. That's $10 off. If we buy one mm -hmm. pizza. And then, but I, I, I think I overdid it, right? Being a, like a financial analyst. Yeah. Pizza, I probably <laughs> overdid it. But, but, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of, I'm trying to show clients, you know, show people that you can apply the same strategies, right? Where like, you're thinking through the math of it. You're, you're actually analyzing the numbers and going through it. And you don't, you don't need to be really good at math, just very common, basic math stuff, but that'll help you get through the emotional part of it. You know what I mean? It, that, that mm. breaks through the emotions when you, when you add in the math and you add in the logic, it helps mm -hmm. uncover the, the emotions, even though most of our decisions that we, we make are emotional decisions. But I think that that's not a good thing, right? We still have to, like, we can't just accept that just because it feels right. Right. Um, you, you trust your gut, but at the same time, it's a good practice to just fill in the numbers and then go through it and then see, like, all right, compare it. Make, is this a good business move? Is this a good idea? Like, does, right. the, does the math add up? And, and that's so funny is because right now we have, everything is easy to, to access, right? So look at something as simple as Uber Eats, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm, I've been guilty. Right. Where I can get food to my home anytime I want and, and use a card. It could be, I mean, it could be a debit card or credit card, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Versus, you know, somebody, you know, back in the day, you know, it's like, oh, I have to leave my house to go spend money on food. So I have to go to, I have to drive 15, 20 minutes, maybe to go to McDonald's or go to, pizza place or go to a, 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 a restaurant right to get my favorite meals you know what I, you know what i'm i'm good i'm thinking i'm just, I'm just gonna just see what's in see see what's in the refrigerator 
and you know what saves and save save some money right now it's like click it's gonna be to you in about 20 minutes it's so easy like it and is that's the point so easy to spend money yeah and, and, and that's the point right it's ma- it's making it easier to get to your money which brings me to my next point right that mm-hmm. i want to share with you yeah is that if you wanted to really save money, mm. like you truly, that was something you actually wanted to do. You wanted to save for the future. You wanted to buy a house or build your mm. business or, you know, leave your job or do whatever it is that you wanted to do that required you to save for the future. Mm. Um, create some intentional obstacles between you and your money. So the same way how Uber Eats convinces you that it's so easy to get to your wallet without even thinking about it. You know, you do the opposite. You add in intentional obstacles. Mm-hmm. Like for example, one of the strategies we use, one of the saving strategies we use, it helps you save for the future. But every time you want to access the money, you would borrow against the account you have. Now, when you do this, what happens then is you start thinking more, like you create an obstacle between you and reaching your money. Your money is not that accessible. It still is, it still is accessible, but mm. it's not as accessible as swiping your card. So what happens then is it gives you more time to think about before before spending it. And it creates like this delay. You're like, all right, if I if I go and I borrow this money, I have to pay it back now. And then, you know, which, which is still good too, is that you could, there are some strategies we, we encourage that. Right. But at the same time, you're creating some obstacles between you and your money. And then you want that. You don't want your money to like be like, you know, with, with, at arm's reach where you can just grab it anytime. You want to kind of create some obstacles. I even see this with wealthy clients. Well, some wealthy clients will have like, some bank account and the way they set up their bank accounts is there is no online banking mm. and they have to physically go to the bank and they might have it at a far location like a smaller bank with a few locations and then they're far away this way there's there are obstacles to reaching the money and this is one of the reasons why people invest their money right they're not only investing because of the opportunity to grow their money mm. they're also investing because if they don't invest it they'll probably end up spending the money mm. So, you know, this is where, again, thinking like a bank is you're thinking instead of the money being super accessible to me so I could spend it, mm-hmm. I'm going to like intentionally put it in places that are a little bit harder to reach. I could still mm-hmm. reach if I really want to, mm-hmm. but it's just going to be a little bit harder. It's, it's out of the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So that's the strategy I have. I want to share with your audience that kind of creates some intentional obstacles that intentional makes it harder. Obstacles. Yeah. I like that. Um, I think that can be applied to a lot of things in life. Um, yeah. I like that. Just, you know, you actually have to hold yourself accountable. Um, you know, if you really want to get to the things that you want to get to in life. Um, and that's true. You know, like if it's easy to, to swipe your card, listen, you might, you might have to, you might have to give it to, to your mother, give it, if you trust them, give it to yeah, your yeah. parents, you know, give it to your siblings, give it to your wife, your, who, your husband, whoever's good with money, give yeah, it yeah. to them. Right. And just say, hey, hold on to this for, for, for me. And maybe even set, set a goal and say, hey, listen, don't don't give this to me until I've showed you that I've paid this off in full. Exactly. Mm. You know, there are times where like, you know, and then I start applying these kind of principles to other places. Like I, I live 20 minutes away from the gym, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. the gym could be hard to get to, especially when you've been working all day. Yep. You know, the last thing you want to do is go work out for me, at least. So mm-hmm. what, let's just say I had to go to Starbucks, right? There's a Starbucks two minutes away from me. And there's, there's a Starbucks two minutes away from the gym, which is 20 minutes away from me. What I'll do is I'll intentionally go to that Starbucks that's 20 minutes away. So now I've kind of trapped myself. I drove 20 minutes out of the way to go to the Starbucks. It's right next to the gym. Now, when I'm done at Starbucks working, because that's where I do a lot of my like, like laptop work is at mm-hmm. Starbucks. So afterwards, now I'm already in the gym's area. So I have to go to the gym now. I'm not going to drive 20 minutes to the gym and not go there. So I, you know, I, I started to learn how that like our human nature, the way the, the things that make us comfortable are typically bad for us, right? Mm, it's typically, mm-hmm. it's not good to always, you know, do things that you want to do. So when you kind of dictate certain things and put yourself, put yourself in a situation where it's already too late, you already mm. drove 20 minutes to the gym. That's it. It's done. You've kind of trapped yourself down. Now you have to work out. So I've kind of figured like those little hacks create more productivity. They create more efficiency. Mm. I like that. Um, hmm. No, no. Like I, I, that, I think a lot of people can can get a lot from from what you just said. Because I even did, you know, just thinking about certain things, you know, from from me, and and I'm like, yeah, I do have to set certain things. Um, yeah. 
you know, to just kind of give myself some roadblocks, you know, yep, um, yep. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes you got to stop yourself. And that's even what I tell some of, of my clients, like you got to, yeah. you know, put sometimes put the mirror up to yourself, right? Yeah. And really, sometimes we wear masks a lot. Yeah. And I don't just mean because of the pandemic. I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about we wear masks every day a lot. It's just because it's like, hey, listen, we want to be this thing. And some of us, it's just like, well, I am this thing. But it's like, no, you're not. You're not this this thing yet. You, you're going to get there. You are going to get there. But sometimes when you look in the mirror, take mm-hmm. that mask off and see who you really are. Yeah. Your bad habits, the things yes. that you have to clean up. And sometimes when you look at your bank statements, yeah, right? yeah. when you look at your credit card statements, all those things that, that, and you look at your whole financial portfolio, you know yep. what it does? It takes the mask right off of that. Yep. And you got to look at it and be like, oh, that's me. That's you. that's and that's honest and and that's you and that could be applied to to any to any area of your life that you need to 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 do better in or anything that you want to improve in is look at it and feel the pain of it because sometimes we you know of course we don't want to feel pain i don't want to look at my financial statements i don't i'm good no you need to sit and look at this you need you need to look at your debt to income ratio (laughs) like you need to look at everything and that's what you do for people you know i think that when you do financial planning you show them Mm -hmm. hey yes look this is what it is now we now we can work with you to get you out of this yes yes you could become a brand new person but right now you kind of have to sit with it right and say this is me at the moment right um and sacrifice um talk to me a little bit about sacrifice about what you tell your clients because that's a hard word for a lot for for a lot of us it's hard to sacrifice certain things right yeah it it goes back to like um you know being real with yourself like you said take the mask off be real with yourself and really ask yourself you know could you you know could you have multiple things going could you you know not save a penny in your life Mm -hmm but still buy your dream home? Mm. Can you not save a penny and still operate and run a business? Could you, you know, not do certain things to get the things you want? And the answer is typically no. You know, you have mm-hmm. to put in, you know, you have to work, I guess, from the inside out and not mm-hmm. from the outside in. So you, you attract the world you want and the things you want and the lifestyle you want mm-hmm. from working from the inside out. And then when you work from the inside out, you're typically, I'm, I'm typically referring to self-discipline, right? You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're giving up certain things and changing, fundamentally changing certain things that'll yield the results you want. Mm. Like, you know, um, I do a lot of, I've, I've worked with a lot of coaches, speaking of life coaching, mm. I've worked with a lot of business and life coaches in my past, like five or six over the last, you know, seven years. Yeah. And a lot of times they all would, you know, we would go through the current things I'm doing in the business, right? Like what I'm currently doing. And then we mm. would either eliminate certain things or delegate certain things, or, you know, we're changing changing the way you, you do something to better improve it to sacrifice. And then it also kind of brings it, you know, I was reading this book called um, the laws of charisma by current mm-hmm. Mortensen. And this book is amazing. It's called the laws of charisma. Laws and charisma. the author talks about the point of sharpening your skills and, and bettering yourself. Like, and he puts it out into like a very like basic kids story. He says that you had two neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just call neighbor number one and then neighbor number two, right? Both neighbor, neighbor number one was very competitive with neighbor number two, like very competitive. So one day he goes to him and says, I'll give, I'll, I don't know if you heard the saying before, but he's like, uh, I'll make a bet with you. I bet that I can cut more trees than you. So the neighbor number two says, okay, you're on tomorrow morning. We'll start. So the next morning comes both neighbors start cutting trees early in the morning. And then neighbor number one cuts consistently from like the morning until sunset doesn't take one break just keeps going consistently Mm. and then neighbor number two would cut for an hour and then sit for 10 minutes Mm. and then go back to that by the end of the day who had more trees it was neighbor number two Mm. and then the first neighbor number one was like shocked he's like how could you be you know how could you have beat me when you were resting every hour Mm. and then the neighbor says number two says i wasn't resting i was sharpening my blade and the point of that is that sometimes in life, you want to defer what you're currently doing or deter what you're currently doing to sharpen your skills, to get better, at, to get ahead of something, mm. um, to get 
to get more out of life, to sharpen your tools and your techniques. You know, so in the situation of not confronting your discipline, not confronting your habits, what happens is you just, you're neighbor number one. You're just doing the same exact thing over and over again at the same speed, at the same. And this is people, you know, we think of working somewhere, like you're constantly doing the same job, same place, same times over and over and over again. Whereas somebody else deters, right? They're coming home in the evenings. They're watching podcasts like this, videos, they're reading books. They're talking to a financial coach or a life coach. They're sharpening their sword, right? They're sharpening their blade. They're deterring from their current activities to get ahead in life. Right. Wow. Well said. I mean, I, one thing I will say, you are in the right business, sir. You are in, you are in, you are in the right, in the right business. Man, um, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of the listeners will get a lot, a lot of gems from, from what you're saying, because it's, it's really true about sacrifice, um, yeah. and setting yourself up and, you, and I, but you know, I just can't get past the, the obstacles like that right there, setting the obstacles, yeah. um, for yourself, you know, yeah. some people, you know, it's the, the whole point is sometimes it's avoiding obstacles or trying to figure out a way to get up. But now I'm going to put an obstacle in my own way. Yeah. Yeah. So that I can get to this particular and I, you know, I, I really like that. I definitely like Absolutely. that. So, um, so as far as the, the work that you do, right. So if somebody wants to begin to work with you, mm-hmm. right. What are your, what are your criterias? Um, because many people have different criterias, right. Um, and, and because your time is valuable, you know, I know, I know a few finance coaches and everybody has different uh criterias right mm-hmm. and some are very strict and say you know look if you're not serious you know if you don't have this this and this then you know don't waste my time right so you know so if somebody says hey sorry i want to work with you you know do, do you just take everybody or or do you have strict criterias yeah the only thing i really want you know the way that we'd be a good fit is mm-hmm. i really want somebody who has a growth mindset who's willing to do things outside of the ordinary, who wants to mm. kind of do things unconventionally. That's the only thing I'm looking for. If you have that mindset and that mentality, I want to work with you. I think we'd be a good fit, a good blend. And we could really, you know, I, and I want to really, um, I want to like almost partner with my clients. Like we're, we're mm. going into business together, kind of indirectly going mm-hmm. in, going into business, direct, um, you know, indirectly. Like I have one client, for example, who has an accountant, right? And we've been talking, you know, for the last, he's been my client for over a year now. And then his accountant has been accountant for 10 years. And now my client is at a situation where he makes like $1.5 million a year. He has multiple businesses. Mm. And he told me, he's like, um, you know, I need to, I need a new accountant. And I was like, oh, really? I thought, you know, you've been with your accountant for so long, you know, like 10 years now. And he's like, yeah, but um, he's like, I kind of outgrew him. Like I'm, I'm, ha- I'm working at a much bigger level now. Mm. I need more of us. I need a CPA now who's more in tune with higher income amounts, who knows more about business deductions and mm. personal income and things like that. More like intricate, more detail oriented accounting. Right. And I thought, you know, that should never happen really. That there should, there should really never be a situation where your clients outgrow you. So I, my goal is to constantly grow with clients. You know what I mean? So this way, you know, we're working together and I've seen the best results when people work together and kind of like, again, like an indirect business relationship. I'm not just, mm. you know, you're not just a customer and I'm just, you know, the seller and you get money and then you get a service in exchange. It's more than that. It's, it's a partnership. And then you're like, you only grow, you know, we only grow together. That's good. I like that. Um, it's more of a partnership because it's more human that way too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. And it makes sense, right? Because why would you, you know, why would you hire somebody who can't help you reach their goals? It's like you have this, for example, legal situation, right? And you want to work with an attorney. It doesn't matter where the attorney went to college. It doesn't matter who knows them. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters at all except for the attorney being able to solve your problem. And the same Mm -hmm. is true with a doctor, right? You have some sort of medical problem. You need a doctor. The same is true with, you know, taxes, you know, you need, you have some tax problems you need to solve. Nothing matters except for solving those problems. And the same is true in the situation with financial coaching, right? It's like nothing mm-hmm. matters unless you can actually help me reach my goals. Right. And this is where the growth mindset comes in. I can give somebody the best financial strategies, right? 
Mm. I could do research for them. I could do all this. If they don't have the growth mindset and if they kind of place themselves into like a fixed mindset world, there's mm. really not much I could do for them. So then would they, be, they have to be able to help themselves for, for me to help them or for anybody to help them actually. Got it. Um, good to know. Um, so when it comes to principles, um, yeah. what are your like top three or top five um, finance principles? Yeah, finance principles, um, know your numbers, like know mm. your numbers very well, know how much you make, how much you spend, how much you know assets you have, the values, the debt you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number two is know where to go, like know, have a solid direction. Like, and again, mm-hmm. it's unique to yourself, not where you should be, where you want to go, what's important to you, you know, right. and identify them and then, you know, go a little bit deeper into the why is like, why, what is it about that goal you mentioned or you mm-hmm. know, that need you have that's important to you. So know where you're going. And then number three, um, really work with like professionals that get professional help. You get mm. way more done that way. When you work with people who have done what you're trying to do for themselves and mm-hmm. for other people, you know, it's like, you know, professional sports, right? Like if you wanted to be, you know, the best at a certain sport, the, the first thing, you know, you would do is hire a coach or you, you are either hire a coach or be a part of a really good team. You do something that involves working with other people mm. that are, that are like, in a sense, like they're way ahead of you in that subject matter. So mm. work with people who have done that and kind of who are, who have trained other people that'll help. That'll give you, that'll reflect on your performance as well. So I only, ha- I know yes for five, I only have three. So know your numbers, mm-hmm. know where you want to go and work with people either in a team setting, mastermind or on a coaching basis. Great. Um, so speaking of, you know, we're talking about that and things like that. There's so many, um, there's so many companies out there. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe you work with them or maybe you don't or, yeah. um, but it's, you know, Hey, like I can help you get out of debt and yeah. they, they build these, um, you know, these consolidation loans and these programs. Um, do you suggest that, um, that client or, or people, um, use, utilize those services? Yeah. So I'm doing right now the, I don't know if you know the CFP program, the Certified Financial Planner program. Okay. Um, it's like seven courses. I already finished the first course. I'm almost done with the second course. One of the first things we were taught in the program, right, is um, that when it comes to debt resolution, it is never a quick problem, a quick solution. So uh, when you hear, when you see these commercials, right, like get out of debt now, like call when you're 100, whatever, get out of debt now or whatever yeah. it is, you know, um, it's, it doesn't work that way. Like I, you know, I could tell you for sure that the way that credit bureaus and banks and other financial institutions and parties operate, it, it's not a quick solve where you just do one thing and then you're out of debt. Typically the faster the solution, the worse it is for the client. Mm. And, I'll, and I'll elaborate. What that means is that let's say you have $10,000 in credit card debt, right? right? And then you go to, you call a debt consolidation company and then the, they're on the phone. They're like, all right, yeah, you're, we'll get you out of debt. It's only a 30 minute call. And then what, what they'll probably do is they'll probably tell you stop paying the credit card. So you default on it and then tell you to close the account, which is really bad for your credit to close an account. You still mm-hmm. have the outstanding debt now. Mm-hmm. And then um, they, you would pay the debt consolidation company. Let's just say, you know, $200 a month for the whole year. Right. So then as you're paying them, it goes into this account. They reach like $2,400 into the account. They might take that, you know, $2,400 minus some of their fees. And then they'll go to the credit card company and say, hey, we don't have 10,000, but we have 2,000. Will you take that? Or even less, you know, like 15, like 10% of the value. I mean, they keep the rest. Mm. So it's not a good solution. It's not a, it's, it's a, it's not a feasible. You, when you do that, you're left with um, the, the default parts of it, skipping all those payments. And you're left with closing the account. And then you're left with settling the account. So it's like mm. three really bad things. It's probably going to take you like five or seven years to like solve that problem for the most part in general, not like specific, mm-hmm. but in general. So uh, I think more, a better solution would be like, call the bank personally, you tell them, Hey, I can't afford, you know, $10,000 in, 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 in the balance with paying like $500 a month. Could we look, could we re- renegotiate the interest rate from like 18% mm-hmm. to 2%? And they might do it. It's not guaranteed. They might do that. That's probably a more steady solution and a, and a, and a better solution. It's not going to impact you as much financially and it'll help solve the problem. So that's kind of like, you know, again, the faster the solution, the mm. maybe the worse off it is for the for the client. 
Got it. Got it. And and I want to just ask that because, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of companies out there, you know, and they just say, hey, you know, like, let's let's settle that debt for you. And a lot of people go through it. Right. Yeah, it, and, they, they do. It's and it's unfortunate that from a marketing perspective, I hate mm-hmm. to say this, but from a marketing perspective, those are the easiest people to close is the people that are in that situation. They're already in debt. They've already kind of hit the, you know, somebody says, I can help you. You're probably more vulnerable. You know what I mean? So you want to keep, you know, go back to the emotional control, do the math on it, mm-hmm. ask questions. Like, you know, I remember I, 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 I was in credit card debt and I called one of these companies and then they were like, oh yeah, all you do is you stop paying them. And no, they didn't even say that. They, they said, oh, we handle that. We, we reconsolidate, reconsider, redo all these, you know, mm-hmm. modification. Right. And then I was like, yeah, but how do you guys get paid? And the guy was like, what does that mean? And I was like, how do you right now? You're not, you're talking to me right now. It's not free. You know what I mean? You're getting paid. You're working for a company. Like, right. how is all this profitable? Like, you want to have a very common sense approach to things. Like, what mm. is it? What's going on? Like, you show me the business model. You know what I mean? And if you mm-hmm. can and you're not willing to, then you should run from them. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it should be very explained. You should be able to explain it to a little kid. Like, all right, right. they take money. They collect money from all these people. They keep that money. Then they go to these credit card companies and they renegotiate and they keep the difference. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So they're making money from broke people who are trying to, you know what I mean? So in other words, like, like really take a common sense approach to it and break it down. And it should make sense. You don't need a degree in finance. You just need common sense. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I wasn't born this way, right? I learned through this from going right. through these hardships and, and studying and working with people and working with money. That's how I kind of came across these from experience. In other words. Hmm. Good, good, good. Um, and you know, it, everybody comes from us, like I said, different walks of life. And, yeah. um, you know, if let's just say if, uh, you know, cause everybody has different strategies, right. And let's just say somebody was, did come in and they had, you know, let's say credit card debt or whatever the case is and student loan debt, but now they came into, let's just say a great job, you know, making a lot of money, whatever the case. Let's say that they're making two or $300,000 a year, whatever they come to you and they say, all right. So I got the offer letter. You know, I started two weeks. Yeah. All I want to do now is pay off all this debt. And pretty much, should I start? Should uh, should I begin to just start dumping all of my money and hidden and hitting all um, of my debts at once, mm-hmm. right? It, and some people would say yes, do that because you want to pay it down as quickly as possible. And some would say, you know what, make a plan, um, pay yourself as well um and go for it so like what would you do in that scenario yeah so i would start with the first part know the numbers right like what kind mm-hmm. of debt are we talking like where mm-hmm. is it at is it student loans is it credit cards is it medical bills you know yeah you know, lay it all out lay out the, the the good parts and the bad parts to all of this and right. then you know um where do you want to go right what's your second goal what is it what is it that you want to accomplish in short term long term and then kind of take away the money part from it but where do you want to go mm-hmm. and then even some like conventional i would add a little bit of conventional parts like you know, uh, what's good debt versus what's bad debt? Like the credit cards, the medical bills, the collection agencies, I would chop that off, right? Pay mm-hmm. that off, get rid of that. But then before I pay off all the debt, I would add in some income, right? Like what if I could, for example, I had, you know, $100,000 in debt and then I'm going to, and then somebody gives me $100,000 today to mm-hmm. wipe that debt. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I'm not saying do this or do that, but I would, you know, go, you know, add a little bit of more steps in there. You know, what kind of debt is it? When is it due? How long do you have this hundred thousand dollars for that you just got? And then, and then have that kind of, and then what are, what are your goals? And then have that determine a solution because for example, student loans, right? Let's just say with student loans, you're on an income driven repayment plan and they're not due for 10 or 20 years. Do you pay, do you pay off a hundred thousand dollars in student loans today? Or could you invest it somewhere, earn, earn some passive income, and then pay you from the passive income, pay down the student loans? That'll, and then at the end of 10 or 20 years, you would have all the loans paid off, plus you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in accumulated value, plus more streams of passive income, plus more knowledge on how passive income works. I like that category more than just taking money, paying off all your debt, and then being debt-free. Because after you do that, there's another part of life. Now you have to keep going. You have to keep making more money. You have to keep, you know what I mean? So like, okay. I think that, you know, the debt you have and then paying off your debt is not the end of the road. Right. There's still, as soon as you write that check and pay off that debt, 
you're going to have some sort of other financial thing you got to take care of next, your mortgage, your property taxes, whatever. So think about the long run. Think about like, how are you going to keep refilling that? Like, what are you going to do? So, mm. you know, maybe if you could replace it with some passive income or some other assets mm-hmm. and then use that, those assets and then those passive income to pay down some of the debt. I like that. I, I like that. Um, you have different options and, 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 yeah. and, and different opinions. Um, because that that's so true because most, most you know a lot of people would just say take that hundred thousand and put it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and pay off all that debt immediately yeah yeah right um so i i like that it's also thinking you know not just for today but yeah. thinking for tomorrow and next week and next month and and Absolutely. and next year and again it goes back to the question that you said you know where do you want to be yeah. not where should you be but where do you want to be Exactly. Right. And, and, you know, taking a, a pause and I think just thinking about, you know, even when you come into money, yeah. you know, taking a pause and just say, you know, all right. So it's easy to just say, Hey, you know, I, I'm excited, yeah. you know, and pay it, pay it all. I'm done. You know? Um, but what's left for you. Yep. Right. Uh, your goals, because now you, you you're going to start from scratch right exactly and i have to do it over again <laughs> yeah it's not like and, and that's a thing that people feel and i get it right if you had a hundred thousand dollars in debt and then somebody gives you a hundred thousand dollars in your mind you're free mm-hmm. but not really you still have to you still have to support yourself you still have to keep going after that it's not like that's it you've just paid off all of life you know with that money mm-hmm. there's you still have to go through other things perfect well um one i just want to again thank you for coming on the show um i appreciate it um i've learned a lot you know i I know the viewers are you know um are learning a lot you know as they listen to to you um and i want to just uh give this moment um back to you you know and just in case people um because the the listeners didn't get catch the first part you know um you know where can they find you how can they book you um you know and, and go from there yeah. So if you'd like a free consultation to determine like what you want to accomplish in life, you know, whatever it is that you want to accomplish financially, uh, you can go to thinkinglikeabank.com, thinkinglikeabank.com. You can schedule an appointment with me or check out our podcast or download our free ebook or just kind of learn more about us. Send me an email, introduce yourself. I'll be more than happy to work with you. Um, and we could obviously talk over the phone or over Zoom, so no need to meet in person anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I'll be, you know, I'd, I'd love to work with you and see how, you know, what it is that you want to accomplish financially. So it's thinkinglikeabank.com. Yes. And you can catch the podcast, Thinking Like a Bank, you know, uh, on all audio yes. podcast platforms. Um, yep. So again, th- thank you, sir, for jumping on and on this episode of Conversations of the Heart. I really do thank appreciate you. you. Um, and let's do this again soon. For sure. Thank you. Thank you.